Hi folks, this is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things we can all do to live a better life. If times get tough, or even if they don't. Today is March the 20th, 2020, and this is episode 2622 of the Survival Podcast. Today's episode, as you might imagine, with everything that's going on crazy in our country, is about COVID-19 and the COVID SARS-2 virus and what to do about COVID right now. For y'all that might be listening to this that have never heard from me before, um, I am a professional podcaster. doesn't mean I'm good at it. I guess it just really means it's what I do for a living. I've been doing it for almost 12 years. 12 years in June will be our 12-year anniversary at the Survival Podcast. We've been teaching prepping from a practical, logical, sane, and rational standpoint uh, for those you know almost 12 years now. I expect to still be here in June when we have our anniversary. I don't think I'll get taken out by COVID. Um, and my hope today is to do the show a little differently. Usually we have an intro segment, stuff like that. You may have been had this show shared with you by someone that's you know, reached out to you because you're really concerned and you don't know what to do or how to handle this situation. And, yeah, I wish you would have been here at least a year ago or two or three or maybe all the way back at the beginning. And so I have to kind of do a crash course today. That's That's really all I've got that I can do with a person that, you know, is sitting right now saying either my town, my city, my state is locked down, or I think it soon will be locked down or we're partially locked down. Uh, maybe I'm going to lose my job. Maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm a person that's going to have to keep going to work. Maybe I'm one that's going to have to stay home. And I just don't know. I just don't know what to do. And my audience has been reaching out to me and saying that a lot of people in their, their friends and family circles who uh, they've known for a long time and have maybe talked about prepping or didn't really, but they you, you knew they were a prepper, and now you're calling them and saying, well, what do I do? And it's it's hard to tell a person in this situation what to do, but there's a lot that you can do right now, a lot that you can do right now, and take control of the situation. And I think the most important thing to understand is that there is things you can do. That's how you get empowered. That's how you get empowered. I was, I was listening to the president's conference today, and one of the reporters asked, you know, what do you tell Americans that are scared? And I was waiting for one person in that panel, whether it was president or his aides or the vice president or the head of the CDC or anybody, to point out, Focus on what you can do. That's my first message for every single American who's scared or freaked out right now. It's what I've told my own son. It's what I've told my grandchildren. Focus on what you can do. Because if you focus on what you can do, all of a sudden you take control of a situation. And once you do that, panic begins to immediately decline. And until you do that, all you're going to do is amp up your panic. And some of y'all especially those that are maybe some high-risk groups for COVID, you might be putting yourself into a totally different high-risk group because between what you're doing, your blood pressure and your stress levels, et cetera, you're making yourself uh, more susceptible to, um, to, to COVID or any illness or disease or high blood pressure or what have you. People die of high blood pressure and stroke every day. No one needs to be stroking out over this. As, as bad as this is, it ain't nowhere near as bad as it could be. And we're going to talk right now going forward Everything I give you is advice to what you can do or how you can think 
and how you can get through this. We're going to get through this together as Americans, like we always do. And before I start my last message to you on this, to get your mind right, your grandparents and your great-grandparents went through stuff that makes what we're doing right now look like a day at Disneyland. And they didn't have anywhere near the assets, the information, and the capabilities that we have today, and they got through it. If they got through it, so can you. So let's start out. I got five basics to keep in mind at all times. Some of this is going to be things you've heard before. In fact, this first five is probably going to be mostly what you've heard before, but I'm going to put it a little bit different in the Jack Spierko way of discussing things. So number one, the social distancing advice coming out from the government at every level is correct advice. It is what we should be doing. Stop listening to people that tell you that it's not good advice, that we would be better off just letting everybody get it or anything else like that. It sucks. It sucks to be stuck in your home. It sucks to not be able to go out and visit grandma. It sucks, it sucks, it sucks. I get it. You know what? If you have ever spent one day, just one day in jail, you'll have a totally disrespect, uh, different perspective on staying in your nice, comfortable home and having complete freedom to do most of anything you want while you're in your home. This is not that terrible as far as the situation of having to be in your home to be with your family, to take care of your kids. Those of you who are in your home alone, really listen to when we start talking about things like scheduling time to talk to family on the phone, FaceTime, stuff like that. Your mental health here is as important as your physical health. But follow the social distancing advice. Stay away from people in high-risk groups. Do not congregate in large numbers. Minimize the transportation, even in between your own homes, etc., try to stay put as much as you can. Number two, sanitation is critical when you go out, and I want you to act like a soldier. But I don't want you to act like a soldier by kidding up in military gear, running around with a shotgun or an AR-15 or anything like that. If you're an armed citizen, you know how to do that the right way anyway. If you don't know how to handle a gun, this is probably not the time to go stand in line at a gun store. If you've never owned a gun before in your life, this is probably not a time to buy one. You should have worked with someone to learn how to do that properly long ago. I will not get in any, the way of any American adult's right to own a gun. If you want to go do it, go do it. But there's probably better things for you to be doing right now if you don't know which end of a gun is the right end to point at a bad guy. But sanitation is what's critical. So when I say act like a soldier, what I'm talking about, and for those watching this on the Facebook live feed, this, right, touching your face. Don't touch your damn face when you go out and don't touch things you don't need to touch. Use sanitizer before you go into a store. Use sanitizer when you come out of the store. It is And wash your hands as soon as you get home. If you go to the bathroom while you're out, wash your hands. Wash them really, really good. Um, I know everybody keeps telling you but that there's a reason. The, what I'm saying about being a soldier, though, is we just did a supply run, my wife and I, and I saw her touch her face more than once. I, don't touch your face. It itches. I don't care. And anybody that's ever been in the military will tell you, like, when you're in formation or you're in certain operations modes and stuff like that where you need to not move, if, if your face itches so bad you think you're going to tear your face, uh, half your face off, you don't touch your face. It's, it's not that hard to do. Trust me, you can get through it at least until you get out of the store and, and re-sanitize your hands. Um, next, I said be a soldier, but I'm also saying be a gray man. Don't start any problems with anybody. Stay away from people. Uh, we had a guy come up and try to talk to us today, like just socialize or whatever. I'll even talk to you. I can talk to you from six, eight foot away. Don't let anybody up in your grill. Don't be nasty about it. Don't stand out in the crowd. 
Don't go fighting over things. It's, it's, it, you're you're going to end up with more problems than anything you'll ever get out of it. People are talking about now like forming militias and going out. We're going to show them. If you hear somebody talk like that, you stay the hell away from those people. And I'm an advocate of militias. Running around causing trouble right now is not the way to go, though. So be the gray man. I've always taught that in most situations, you're better off being the gray man. Go out early if you need to do supply runs. Don't shop around the 1st and the 15th of the month because every federal employee and, uh, gets paid then, everybody on benefits, etc., 1st and the 15th. That's a bad time to shop during the best of times. So, so just plan your shopping around the, you know, not going on those dates, or if they fall like on a weekend, the first Monday after or whatever, that's when the money gets refilled. So you don't want to shop then. And anytime money's being sent out, if you know it's being sent out, like they're fixing to do this, um, where they're going to send people checks and all, I'm just going to say that a good time to shop, if you know you're getting a check and you're going to use that money to buy food or other supplies for your family, I hate credit cards, but in this instance, it might be a good idea. Once you know the money's coming, go ahead of the money. Get your supplies, then, then use the money to pay that credit card off or what have you. Because uh, once you know the money's coming, and we'll know soon what's coming for whom, um, when that money hits, it's going to create another surge into that environment. So while it may help with the financial problems that we're having, in some instances it may take and cause more stress on the supply lines. Um, on that note, I, I really want people to take this to heart. I'm, I'm not lying to you. The supply lines themselves are strong. People, no matter where they've shut things down, the people that make the food, pick the food, ship the food, sell the food, etc., are still going to work every day. And the same amount of food is coming into the system. What we have now is a lot of pressure as everybody scrambles. So go out and buy more than you need, but don't get stupid about it and be strategic about when. And the last one on the basics, despite the hysteria, Most cases of this virus are mild to moderate and self-resolve. And that even includes some of the people by age in the high-risk groups. There's still the majority of people in those groups. They are mild to moderate and self-resolve. It is a much higher portion of them that get to be severe. And that means you still don't want to add to the problem. You don't even want to be to the case of being moderate If you don't have to be infected at all, even if it's all going to work out for you, that means you're spreading it and you're taking from the resources that need to go to the people that are severe. So those are your five basics. I want to go to what you can do at home right now. This is, this is probably my most important bullet point list that I have in my notes today for you guys that are not prepared or don't know how prepared you are, don't know how screwed you are, like you just are not sure where you're at yet. Number one... To keep your sanity, especially if you're home with your kids, or home even just with your spouse, but your spouse and kids and you home, you're all in the same house, you need to sit down and write up a schedule. If you're going to eat breakfast together, what time is that? With the kids home, you need things like learning time, story time. I'm not going to tell you how to run your family, but you need things for the kids to do, and some of those things are you are doing them actively with them, and some of those things are their free time for them to do it, or they have to step up and take the responsibility to see to their own, their own needs during that period of time. And you need to put that schedule in place and be strict, but 
not super strict. You don't need to be running some kind of like military level schedule. I'm a military guy, but you don't need a military level schedule. You have flexibility. You're in charge. But if you have a basic schedule you stick to, it will give you routine. Routine is a sense of normalcy. It will help you keep managing your home in a proper way during this period of time. Also, the next thing you need to do. These are, to me, these are the first two things everybody should be doing in their home right now, whether you're locked down or not yet, whether you've lost your job or not yet. Number two is inventory your food and supplies. You need to know everything that you have. That means you probably need to get into your cupboard and your refrigerator and literally take everything out. It's a good time to clean everything, sort through everything, find stuff that's gone bad and needs to be gotten rid of. Um, but get a clear understanding of what you actually have. Do this with your food, but also do this with any medical supplies and things like that. Most people do not have any idea what they have. And there's a couple reasons to do this. One is to figure out what you need to get when you go on a supply run. If you do this and it turns out, hey, do you know what? Upstairs in the closet we have like five jumbo packs of toilet paper. Don't add to the toilet paper crisis. You know, you need to know what you have. And so it's so that you buy the right things and you don't buy the things that you already have more than you need of. That you make good allocation of your resources because every trip you take to the store, and they're going to let you keep going to the store, there's more restrictions coming. And I expect by next week we might have restrictions nationwide that all look like California and New York do right now. Non essential businesses closed. Um, stay home unless you're going to work in the doctor, the pharmacy, or the grocery store or to an essential business, which there's a lot more of those than you think there are. You know, your grocery stores, your convenience stores, your gas stores, even your hardware stores in these other states have been designated as essential businesses. Construction trades, mining trades, etc., essential businesses. That's still a lot of the economy running. All the things that keep the country running, those things stay in place. And I'll tell you one thing that's going to come out of this. Everyday people are going to be heroes at the end of this. The, the 15, 16, 17-year-old kids that work at the grocery store that stock those shelves, we're going to have a new respect for those people at the end of this, and that's a good thing. But you need to know what you need, so you need an inventory. Then you need to sit down and map out your meals and how those essentials are going to be used and calculate how long you can go on what you have. You need to know, like, how long do I have in meat for my family based on how much we're going to eat at each meal every day. And most people have no idea. They don't have any idea how much they have. And one thing that might calm people down is to figure it out. I think some people don't want to do it because it's kind of like you don't want to go to the doctor. He might tell you something you don't want to hear. You need to know this right now. This should have been done a long time ago. They, the things I'm teaching you today, they honestly should teach you in grade school. This should be a, a, a virtue in America, a, a, a culture of preparedness. But we don't have time to worry about who missed what mark right now. All we can do is deal with what we have, and that's that first step. So then you calculate how long you can go, and then you... Target the things that you most need on your supply runs. This is not only so you make smart use of your money and your time, but so you minimize your time where you're risking exposure to yourself or others. That way you can go into a store, you hit that yes like a military operation, you go to those places, you get those things, and if you're going to hit two stores because some are out of some other things, then you, 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 know, you have that plan. 
and you go do that, stay away from people, and go the hell home. Next thing, this is so important to your mental health, and I know it's counter to a lot of what you feel that you should be doing. Do not watch wall-to-wall COVID TV. Don't do it. Just absolutely do not run your choice of the big three uh, media mainstream media networks 24-7, 365 in your home, especially if you have kids, and we'll get to that in a minute. But you can watch that for a brief period in the morning, a brief period in the evening, and if anything dramatic happens, you're going to hear about it. In some ways, you're better off pulling back from this from an emotional and mental standpoint. Don't do it. Schedule movie or fun time TV for you and especially if you have kids. But even if you're just two adults in your home or one adult in your home, schedule a time like I'm going to watch a fantasy movie or I'm going to whatever it is you like. Get your head out of the constant repetition of the world is ending because the world is not ending. It's a virus. And it's not a, you know, our forefathers went through smallpox without a vaccine or a treatment. I mean, when you compare this to something like that, it is not the end of the freaking world. So turn off COVID TV for the majority of your day. You might want to watch the White House briefing every day. You might want to see what's going on in the morning and then check it sometime in the evening. Your choice of where, but don't do it wall to wall. Uh, and schedule that fun time TV. Schedule family and friend contact times. If you don't schedule things, they tend not to happen. I can't tell you how important this is. I really can't tell you how important this is. Because you can't go see grandma right now. You really shouldn't be in most instances. Uh, especially older grandma, who really relies on you to visit. Um, teach her how to use FaceTime on her phone if she doesn't know. If she doesn't, can't do it, whatever, doesn't have the capability, then just call and have the kids talk to her. But schedule time for the different friends and family in your lives to contact them. Talk to them about scheduling the time, too, so y'all are in sync about it. You have A lot of you have a lot of time on your hands right now. Use it and remain connected to people. We have a connection level today that people did not have when they've dealt with this type of thing in the past. One of the reasons that this is such a difficult situation for people is that most people who are alive today have never actually dealt with this level of national sacrifice. But I'm going to tell you, some of our forefathers would be pretty pretty upset with y'all right now because they would expect more of you. Expect more of yourself. And schedule that time to connect with your family and friends. Uh, create work for your kids. I, I'm going to say that again. C create work for your children. Give them responsibilities. Have them fold the laundry. Put clothes away. Have them help you with meal prep. Have If you have animals, give them the, the job of feeding the dogs. I'm going to tell you something. My granddaughter was, I think, around 10 months old. And was we've got a video somewhere of her pushing the, the cart that the dog food's in, and she was feeding the dogs when she was 10 months old. She would wheel the little cart full of dog food out, scoop it into their bowls, lock the lid back down with the scoop in it, and put it back in the, in the cabinet and close the door. And she liked doing it. If I can teach a 10-month-old, 1-year-old, whatever she was, to feed the dogs, you can teach your kids that are 3 and 4 to do something. right? And I want you to learn something. It's called Me Too Leverage. You guys that have multiple children, you sit down with your eldest and you tell them, I need to be able to rely on you to help me right now. And I need you to get on board when I ask you to do something. I need you to set an example for your younger brother, sister, whatever. 
And then you get them doing something, and you know what happens? The littler one wants to do it too. They want to do it too. So use mutual leverage to get the younger kids involved with work and tasks. Next, have outside time. I'm sorry, stay away from your friends and neighbors. You don't know what they're doing, how they're managing their lives, etc. Honest to God, if you have two families living next door to each other, minimizing contact, they're probably in a lot of reason that they can't interact. It still increases risk just from supply runs. So you probably don't need to do it. But the reality is most people won't listen to someone like me And, and the fact that we are so unprepared shows that. There's a lot of people like me. I'm not the only one that's been teaching this for a long time. They won't take this seriously enough. They'll continue to not worry, and every contact you have with them increases your risk of becoming part of the problem. But go outside. You're, it, this is not an airborne illness. It is from mucus. It is from uh, bodily fluids. It's from your nose and your mouth and your eyes. That's where you're, you're vulnerable. So if your neighbor's in his next, the next yard over and you're out playing with your kids in your backyard, you're not going to get COVID from him. It doesn't work that way. Open your windows. If it's a nice day out, open your, and I don't mean just the drapes. I mean, open the window. Let the sunlight in. Let the air in. Go outside. Just don't go outside and play with people on the beach or whatever. Um, next, create fun projects. If you're not working, to, if you're not working, then you should be doing those projects with your kids. Sit down and paint a rock with your kid. My wife did that yesterday. They, she got, they got a bunch of rocks from outside, little smooth rocks, and they got some, you know, simple paint, and they painted all little different designs on it. For those of y'all on Facebook, look, check this out. Braylon made me a TSP rock, a survival podcast rock for the uninitiated with Val on it, the Survive Val logo. Braylon made that for me. They did that. He didn't want to do it. By the time they were done doing it, he was having a blast. Your kids are going to tell you they don't want to do things, but when you make them do them, you're going to feel they're going to feel good and they're going to enjoy and they're going to have um, they're going to have a great deal more self esteem. And it, for a lot of y'all, you're feeling what they're feeling right now, and you don't even identify with it. If you've lost your job or you're laid off or furloughed and you're home. You probably don't really wake up every morning and go, gee, I get to go to work. So what happens is even though you don't want to go to work, you have to go to work. It gives you a sense of purpose, something to do. You end up home and there's all these things that you actually want to do that you could be doing, but now you're not motivated so you don't do them. You need to make yourself and you need to make them do things, whether they're fun projects or jobs or whatever. Um, enjoy each other. Enjoy each other. My son is worried that his, his, his work will shut down. I... I know he's going to be okay if they do. I know he's got savings. I know I'll help him out. Okay? I kind of hope they do so we can stop moving the kids back and forth and increasing both sides of our exposure with this uh, during the work week. I kind of hope they do. Because the number one complaint my son has about how much he works is I don't get to spend time with my kids. And he was just told, if this happens, you get to spend, let's say, a month with your children every day. All day. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. I'm not saying it's all sunshine and roses, but I'm saying there's an opportunity here. There's an opportunity here to bond as a family if you're in that situation. And don't squander it being miserable through the whole thing. It won't do you any good. How you feel about a virus will not affect how the virus acts in the public. You can stop worrying for five minutes. It won't make things worse. 
You can put Disney Channel on and watch a princess movie with your little girls. It will not make things worse. Do you understand that? You are not the linchpin that's holding everything together by focusing on this nonstop. You will be better for it. Your immune system will be higher if you relax. So enjoy each other. If you're a couple and you're home a lot more than you used to be, you probably always thought, boy, I wish I got to spend more time with my wife or my husband. Enjoy each other. Teach kids, this is a little one here, two things in the bathroom. What the right amount of toilet paper is. It seems like whenever we do have like regular scheduled programming, I guess, of, of, of visiting, if people bring their kids over the house, that's always when you get a plugged toilet. So we need to not maybe super ration toilet paper right now, but we don't need 17 wraps you know, to wipe for one poo or one pee. So teach them the right amount of toilet paper because kids burn through it faster, I think, than anybody else. And teach them happy birthday hand washing. Right? You should be teaching your kids this anyway. Right now is a really great time. Maybe they'll take it seriously, which means when you wash your hands, wash your hands really good all around. Teach them how to actually you know, do good hand washing. Look at how a surgeon washes their hands and the different ways that they, they scrub their hands on the back and the interlocking fingers and what have you. And teach them those things like a game and teach them to sing happy birthday to, to me in their head twice as they do that. That'll, that's what you need. Again, your kids should know that anyway, but use this time to make it work. And then... If you have the space in your home, take everybody that's in your home and give them a space. For my wife and I, it's easy. We both have an office. I'm sitting in my podcasting right now. But give people a space. And when they go to that space, if there's no compelling reason to invade it, don't invade it. One of the ways you'll be able to tolerate each other is if everybody has the ability at certain times, as much as you can enjoy being with each other, you need space. When you start getting short with each other, let people retreat into their space. If you don't have a ton of room relative to the number of people, even if it's a place to sit at a table or something like that, and if it's it, any kind of a signal, like when if, if Billy is reading a book, he's kind of in his space. Any way that, like at this point, or give people the ability to simply say, I need some time to myself right now, and have it be respected. That is one of the most important things that your family can put together so that you all can get through the end of this without having a knife fight with each other. And we don't want a knife fight right now because you don't want to go to the ER for any reason unless you absolutely have to. So let's minimize family knife fights by giving everybody a space or a time or some form of behavior that they can retreat into. And unless there's a compelling reason, like it's dinner time or following the schedule, whatever, that you would just leave them alone. Even without all this going on, one of the things that we started recently with babysitting my grandkids during the work week is when, when Papa gets done with the podcast, Grandma and Grandpa have a cup of coffee for 15 minutes and the holes shut. For 15 minutes, you're on your own and you have to close your holes. You can go do anything you want as long as it doesn't break the rules, but you got to leave us alone for 15 minutes. My God, people, you're not hurting your children by asking for 15 minutes to yourself, especially right now. It will make you a better parent and make the quality of time you spend with them better. Next, some more specific things with kids. Schedule, structure, and command makes them feel like you have control, and they need that. Think about being in a building and some kind of catastrophe happening, a fire, an earthquake, whatever, and a security guard shows up, or a police officer shows up, or a fire marshal shows up. They're like, oh my God, I don't know 
what to do. You're like, oh, sh yeah. And hopefully somebody in that group then steps up and takes that leadership role like they should, right? Okay, you need to be that person in command in your home, even if you feel you're out of control. Your kids need to look to you and think, mom and dad got this. Mom and dad know what's going on. The way you do that is you have a schedule. That way you can always default to it. You're not sure what to do right now. What's the schedule say we're supposed to be doing? You need structure. That means you have things to be done. And that way we can default to that mode. And command means that you have the ability to say, I'm the adult in the room and this is what we're doing now. There will be resistance to it. In the end, you will end up with a happier family. They need that sense of command and control. That doesn't mean being a bully. That doesn't mean being obnoxious to your kids. It means sounding like you know what you're talking about and having a plan. And that's your job and that's your responsibility as an adult. Be honest that things are serious, but keep them upbeat. The message is we're going to be okay. Are there bad things happening? Yeah, but we're going to be okay. Even if you don't believe it yourself, you need to look at them like you believe it and say we're going to be okay. If you keep doing that, you might just start believing it. And for most of you, you're going to be just fine. Really, I already said about minimizing COVID TV, okay? But around your kids, minimize that. I realized one time we were just kind of letting the, the, the news play in the background. I could see the concern building on my grandson's face. He doesn't need it. That's my job to worry. It's not his. So minimize the COVID TV, the nonstop coverage, especially around your kids. If you really need to hear something, you know, Pull up one of the sites, run streaming, and, and listen to it in your earphones. They don't need to hear everything. You need to decide what they hear. You need to be the filter between them and a hysterical media that's making a circus out of this, and we have no time or place for it, but we're not going to get them to stop. So we have to take control of that. Next, with your kids. Yes, it's an effort to teach them a task. The first, second, or third time they do it, it may take three times as long had you just done it yourself. That makes us not do that. You have the time right now. Teach them the task, and once they master it, you don't have to do it anymore. And everything gets easier. Many hands make light work. Next, on your supply runs, here's some things I noticed. I just did a supply run today. We really didn't need to, but I took the opportunity, and I went with my wife, and we ran a supply run. Number one, you want to hit stores early during the week, and bad weather is kind of good in this place. We've been having beautiful weather lately, a lot of rain, but beautiful weather overall. It was like 50 degrees this morning and rainy and windy and, and cloudy. There was hardly any cars on the road. The parking lots were, were not really very full at the grocery stores. We didn't have any trouble getting most of what we wanted. The, like the things that were absent were alcohol, hand sanitizer, and toilet paper. That's what you couldn't get hardly any of. Very little paper towels, but mostly you could get just about any food that you wanted. That didn't mean that the shelves weren't picked way cleaner than normal, but there was plenty available, right? Stay the hell away from high-population area stores. Now, look, I want you to understand. Sorry, guys, on Facebook there. Um, but when I say high-population area, I'm talking even within high-population areas. You can make a difference here. And what I mean by that is where I live in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, there are areas that are like just ground zero for thousands and thousands and thousands of people, and there's big stores that are just a little further out. There is a tremendous difference between the two right now. You need to identify those less pressured stores, use them in those off hours, get in and get out. Many people are buying the easy food. Okay, so uh, the pre-cooked chicken tenders and stuff like that, especially like the stuff in the deli section and all. 
I understand why. And if you can get it, fine, go ahead. But really, what you can get as much as you want right now, as far as I've been able to see, whole foods, whole cuts, etc. You know, whole chickens, cut them up yourself, big roasts, part them out into portions, etc. We'll talk more about that in a second. Um, make, think about making multiple meals with one item. Again, whole chickens and large cuts of meat. Um, that's going to make, because I saw if you wanted to buy big giant pot roasts today, Like all the steaks and all were really hit hard, the individual portions, but the great big pot roasts, the uh, briskets, all kinds of stuff, pork roasts, it, it wasn't even hard to come by. Uh, a lot of people I don't even think know how to cut up a chicken. If you don't know how to cut up a chicken and you see chicken and you're not sure of your ability, as long as you own a knife that's reasonably sharp, get the chickens, bring them home, go to YouTube and look up how to cut up a chicken. Anything you need to know during this period of time, there's probably a 15-year-old kid that has a YouTube video show you how to do it. That's going to be another great resource for you, YouTube University. Um, but you also need to think about waste elimination. We throw away an awful lot of food in this country. It's, it's, it's kind of sinful and disgraceful how much food is wasted in America. We're learning the lessons of our grandparents who never threw anything away. Never threw anything away. So buy things you can use fresh but will store easily as well. So we picked up some peppers today. I grow a lot of peppers, but it's not the pepper season for me. Um, with that, you know, we looked at, hey, but if we don't use these, what do we do? Hey, chop them up, throw them in the freezer. So anything you have that can be frozen, keep an eye on it. And if it starts to get to the point where like, yeah, that's going to kind of go off. Okay, now it's going to be cooking peppers instead of fresh peppers. So think waste elimination and things that can store easily, even if you're using them fresh. If you can get high volume, easy button foods, by all means do it. If your kids eat pancakes every day, And you happen to get into a store and they have a great big bag of cheap pancakes you can throw in the toaster. And that's one less thing you have to do with to feed them and they'll eat that and be happy. Yeah, by all means do it. I think this is a good opportunity to start eating better and healthier. But I understand stress and anything that minimizes it, yes. Um, if you are a person who is going out regularly because you're still working or what have you, you have to go to work every day, you know, our healthcare workers, etc., Even in places with full control right now, they're still going out every day. Pay attention. Pay attention when you're driving places. Where are the places you can procure supplies that when you look in the parking lot, it's pretty much empty? And where are the places that's really, really full? And what times and what locations are those? Start making notes. You're going to forget. when you're. A lot of things that we can do normally, the more stress we get under, the less ability we have to repeat them. This is something we learned in the military. You train a task ridiculously so you can do it perfectly. And the reason is because you'll still be able to do it, you know, sufficiently under stress. That's why we train that way. Most people have never trained that way, and you certainly haven't trained that way to do intel gathering of where to go grocery shopping on your way to work. So you're stressing out, you're freaking out, you forget about it. Make it a task. Write it down. Note what it looked like. That's good for situational awareness anyway. Um... Do not post your intel on things like this, good or bad on social media. Don't do it. Stop posting pictures of empty shelves. Stop telling people on Facebook where everything is in your town. It is not that everyone is for themselves. I'm all for helping take care of people, telling your friends and family, hey, you might want to check this place out at this time or whatever, but don't post that because you can ruin things. If you find a really good place to go fishing, you don't go publicly post, hey, everybody should go fish here. And if you do, you show up next weekend and everybody's there and it ruined the fishing hole. 
So be smart about what information you put out publicly. Some other things to think about buying beyond what I think people are buying. I did not see a lot of people buying potatoes, and there was quite a few potatoes at the two stores that I checked out today. Potatoes store relatively well. Don't go buy 500 pounds of potatoes because Jack Spiegel said to buy potatoes and I'll start growing green eyes on them and going to mush. But potatoes give you a lot of flexibility, um, and they do store, and you can make your own french fries, etc. I don't eat potatoes because I eat low-carb, but you know, if you eat, you should store what you eat. Uh, veg, vegetables that freeze well. Be careful how much salad. The salad greens are getting tore up in the store right now. I grow so much of that stuff, I don't even care. But I just know that people are buying that, and by the end of the week, half of it's going to waste. But they're getting into this compulsion. Like they buy what they see other people buying. Uh, surprisingly, a lot of junk foods. They store long-term. They're full of preservatives. They suck. But this is 40 days. So you know, don't look, don't look down your nose at the junk food aisle. It keeps the kids happy, and let them have some pig-out days. Um, canned meat, uh, if you're limited in freezer space. That's canned chicken, canned beef, uh, canned tuna, canned salmon, all of that stuff. I mean, I lived on it a lot when I was a kid. That's how my grandma and grandpa got by. Uh, we grew up pretty poor, grew a lot of our own food. I guess that's paying dividends now. If you can order curbside pickup, do it. If you can go online and order your groceries and pull in and a person will bring them out to you, do that. It will make your life easier. You could be more organized. You don't get into stress buying mode. And you minimize your contact with other people. If you can get your groceries delivered, do that. It gives somebody a job, a sense of purpose, and it minimizes your contact, and it makes you put less stress on the system. Keep minimum contact, though, with your delivery people. I know everybody is thirsty for social interaction right now. Like I said, I had a guy want to get up in my grill today, and I just backed. I wasn't a jerk. I just backed off from him. Like, I don't need you in my grill right now, and you don't need anybody in your grill right now. If you want to tip them, make sure you've sanitized your hands before you hand them money. You can hand them the money. You don't need to touch them, okay, right? Or you can leave the tip for them or what have you. But definitely do as much curbside pickup and delivery as you can right now. Those people have jobs. They're working. They need something to do, and you need to minimize your contact. Look around. Call the stores. Do you offer this? Some will say yes, some will say no. I think as this continues to go on over the next month, more will do it. It will be in their best interest to do it. I'm going to tell you, I think we might see some restrictions coming that are like the gas shortage of the 70s. A lot of y'all ain't old enough to remember that. Or the stuff my grandmother told me about during World War II. Okay? Um, during the gas shortage, they did it by your license plate number. If, you, if your license plate ended in an odd number or a certain letter, then you could shop on odd days. Or the other letters or an even number, you shopped on even days. You might find there's a person sitting at the front of the store that usually used to just go, welcome to Walmart, have a great day or whatever, that's waiting for you to show an ID. And they might say A to M shops on these you know, odd days and, and, and N to Z shops on these days or whatever. And that it, all these restrictions, I know they suck. I know that we're used to our freedoms as Americans. I love liberty as much as anybody. But I would really wished that these grocery stores had put in some of the restrictions they're doing now. I'm talking about the private sector restrictions. No more than four of these. No more than two of these. It's enough for everybody if we don't have somebody going in and buying 500 of, of one item they don't even really need. We actually have right now some stores putting up signs saying we are not going to take returns on certain items. 
and they're the ones that they're being hoarded the most. That tells you it's already happening where people are having buyer's regret from this. Um, last, I love the kids. I've dedicated a lot of this show already to the kids. Uh, anybody that knows me knows I love kids. I'll, I'll, I'll do anything for kids. Um, I understand you, you know, you want to make sure you're looking after your kids. If your kids are old enough to stay home alone, or if one person can go do the supply run, that's only one person being exposed versus two, leave your kids home. Don't take your kids to the grocery store. Don't take your kids. I know, but they need to get out. No, they need to get out in the backyard and run around and burn some energy off. When you go to the grocery store, you need to be in that soldier mode, disciplined. We're not touching. I can touch my face now. I've washed my hands since I've got home. We're not touching our face, right? We're not touching our face. We're not touching things we don't need to touch. Kids touch everything they shouldn't touch. One of the best decisions made was closing the damn schools. Kids transmit. Kids don't generally get this disease in any severe way. Some do, but it's very, very rare. But any of them can get it, any of them can be a host, any of, them, any of them can be a transmission vector. If you can leave your kids home when shopping, do it. You'll be on the ball, focused, you'll get stuff done, you'll get home, then you can spend all the time you want to with your kids. So unless they have to go, leave them the heck home. You'll move faster and better and ri minimize risk. Next, food, food management and home. I want to give you like four bullet points on this, adding to what I've already said. Number one, cook large meat cuts, break them down to meal size, and freeze. The reason to do this is it will make you more efficient, but it will also save space. When you go ahead and you cook that big roast, and then you part it out into three meals worth of meat for your family, and you use one today, and you put the other two in Ziploc bags or, or vacuum seal bags or whatever, and label them and date them and stick them in your freezer, it takes up less space than that roast does. Chickens, etc. Break it down, make it into portions, and then freeze it if you're not going to use it right away. That'll let you keep doing a lot of variety And you won't have to cook a full meal every day. Even though you have the time, you're better spent relaxing with your kids, studying, learning, doing a project, etc. Learn to make soup from leftovers. You buy that whole chicken, you use most of it, you throw the whole chicken, maybe you, you, wait, you put the whole chicken that's cooked, break it down, put it in a bag, throw it in the freezer, cook another chicken next week, then take the two chicken uh, uh, cores, Learn. Go on YouTube, how to make chicken soup from a chicken, and, and boil that down. Make a stock and make a chicken soup. All that pasta y'all are hoarding, you know what? Make a chicken soup to go with it. Not every piece of pasta needs to have tomato sauce dumped on it. Learn to use your leftovers. If you buy, like, we bought three racks of baby back ribs today. I will save every one of those bones to make a stock from, a pork stock. And we'll make a soup out of that. And I'll take the greens from my garden, I'll add them to that soup and little tidbits of meat off of them. It's, it's, it's not hard. You can look all this up on YouTube and you can learn and do this with your kids. I think America will come out of this stronger for this if we follow this type of thinking. Again, I want you, to, I'm pausing here kind of, I'm a little past midway of what I'm covering today. Do you see how much you can do? For 12 years, I've been screaming to America about what you can do. Many of you hearing this today, you didn't do the things you could have done. I am not going to lecture you on that. I am not going to put you down. You grew up in a society that didn't teach you this stuff. 
And I want to say a different word that starts with S, but I want this to be so universal today, I am tempting, I am preventing myself from saying a few cuss words that I usually say on the air. Okay? You didn't get taught this. I'm not going to blame you for it. Now you step up. You take care of your family and you do what you need to do for the people around you and you get this done. That's what you do. And it's not that hard. I have given you so many things you can do and I'm not done yet. Okay? Um... If you know how and you have the tools, this is a great time to be canning things, right? You can can so many things. If you don't have the tools, you can order stuff. Um, there's a product I recommend, um, uh, an electric canner. I'll put a link in the notes to this show for you that whoever gave it to you can give you the link along with it so you can find it. Um, it's an electric pressure canner. You can do four quarts at a time. I wouldn't really put a lot of effort into that right now, though, if you don't already know what you're doing. But some of these pressure cooker canners, they're really great for cooking those big cuts of meat and breaking them down as well. So I just, just say that. Last I checked, you can order them, and they'll still bring it right to your house. Amazon hired 100,000 people. There's a piece of encouraging news right there as a segue for a second. Jeff Bezos wouldn't be hiring 100,000 people right now if he didn't think America was going to get through this. Jeff Bezos does not spend money just to spend money. So the fact that you have these corporations like Amazon doing the things that they're doing. You have Ford and GM and uh, Chrysler and, and a few others saying, we can make respirators right now if you need us to. Everybody's planning to get to the other side of this. And in countries where they had to start earlier, as bad as it got, they're already coming down the other side of the curve. You can get through 30 days of living in your home. You really can. Back on it. Make sure you have a policy that we're going to finish leftovers before we start cooking the next thing. And at least minimum, all the leftovers have to be gone. You can have two things going at once. Maybe you had pork tonight and beef tomorrow. But now if you got leftover beef or pork, that needs to go before another thing gets cooked. Or it needs to be packaged into individual meal or the next meal size and properly put into a freezer because even cooked food will go off in the refrigerator, as you know. And I would say on top of this, one of the ways you can really help yourself especially if you're stuck home. Once a week, pull everything out of the refrigerator, go through it all again, and make sure you're not missing nothing. This is no time to be wasting food. Not because you're not going to be able to get any food. I'm going to, I'm going to try to say this again. You're going to be able to get food. No matter how big of a lockdown comes, they're keeping essential business open because they know they have to. You're going to be able to procure food. But you don't want to waste it because it makes you have to go out and risk the contact more frequently. This is you stepping up to take care of you and your own. The way, again, we should have been teaching this to people from school age up for the last 50 years. I believe there are some of our ancestors that lived through World War II and the Great Depression that if they could sit here and look at what we're dealing with right now because of a lack of preparedness, they would cry. But I think if, if, if we all do what we were supposed to do, Right now, even as, as far off as most people were, we can make them proud of us. We really can. Financial prep. I know some of you are thinking, man, this dummy's talking about all this, but I, I'm, I'm going to be out of a job. Number one, just like you inventoried your food, inventory your total available liquid cash reserves. This is all the cash you have in a box under your bed, all the cash you have in the bank, all the savings you have, all the money that you have that you can spend without like selling a stock or something like that. And calculate how long can that take us 
make a budget if you've never grown up and made a budget for your household before. You know, get online, get off the free open office or whatever, uh, 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 the Google product that's like Excel. I use Excel. Make a spreadsheet. Make a budget. You don't know how, learn to make one. They should teach you that in school, too, and they don't. But calculate. Right now, the money I have, how long can that take me? Next, you need to then look at any other capital reserves you have and prioritize where would I go to get other money and how much can I get and how long would that last? Next, cut non-essential spending. Cut non-essential spending. You know, now, if you have an income source that's going to take you right through this, you may not need to cut as much non-essential spending, or you may be able to buy things that cost a little more to support business. I'm not saying that. But, for instance, I have a family member who has like three or four clubs where they send her makeup and stuff every month. That needs to go. That is not necessary. You ain't going nowhere to be seen anyway, and you got plenty of makeup. So any kind of truly wasteful spending, cut it. If you have three streaming services, cut two of them. Use one until you can't find nothing on it. Shut it off and get one of the other ones back. They will sell it to you again. But cut your non-essential spending. Extend that budget. Talk to your lender, especially your car lender and your home lender, about loan deferral. This is where you just basically skip a payment or two. I think there might be some programs coming soon where the banks are going to let people just skip a couple payments and not even accrue interest when they do it. Just move the loan out. Talk to your lender about that. Um, even if it accrues interest, you know, it could take you, let's say you had a, you know, a 30-year mortgage. It could, and it could turn your 30-year mortgage into a 31-year mortgage. It's still better than a foreclosure. And there's so many people. There's so many people that if they didn't have to worry about paying their principal and interest on their mortgage for two months, it would take so much off. Because two months from now, we're going to be through this. Okay? Don't listen to these people tell you, it's going to be, you're going to be 18 months or whatever. They're crazy. China's through this. China, where this started, is through this. You, you, you're not going to be stuck. Okay? You're not going to be stuck. You're going to be able to get through this. Right? Okay. So... Check check with that. Um, next, talk to your employer. Find out what they're planning. If they're going to lay you off, there might be a strategic time to lay you off and, and start taking unemployment. Okay? Um, talk to your... Some employers, you may realize, if you work for a really small employer, that the building you work in, the insurance on that building... The vehicles that go in that building and all the operational expenses of that building are the major expense in the operation. The year actually is small expense. They might be willing to put you on 20 hours and pay you even though you're at home to do something at home even though it's not a lot. Because it might be better in their best interest. They think they're going to make it through the other side to keep you on payroll and to put you on unemployment as a small employer. Talk to them, especially the smaller the company the more flexible people will be. A lot of times, like, they're stressed too, and when you suggest something like that, they're like, oh, yeah, we could do that. And if that puts you home instead of exposed and exposing your family, even though it sucks, it might be the right decisions. Be creative in the way that you... What can we do together to make this work better for everybody? Right? And for your information, this is good news for a lot of people. Um, tax day just got moved to July 15th. You don't have to file your taxes from last year now until July 15th. And if you owe them money, 
If you owe them money, you won't accrue any interest, any penalties, anything like that um, if you do that, if you choose to do that. If you have money coming back, it's very compelling to want to get your money back faster. But, you know, if you run a business like I do and you are creative with your accountant and all, and maybe it's going to be hard to meet and actually do the things you want to do, and now you, you might even get your taxes in way before the 15th of July, but you're not pressured now that you've got to be, have your taxes done, what, in the next three weeks? That's something off. So just for those of you in that situation, it's good news. Now I want to talk about nutrition and the immune system. My regular listeners, you guys have heard me say this, but use a good multivitamin. You, you should be on a good multivitamin. You should be on a good multivitamin. One more time, you should be on a good multivitamin. All the time. I do not believe you can go out and take a, you know, a bunch of vitamin C and be immune to COVID. I don't think you can take a bunch of selenium and be immune to COVID. Okay? But there are certain things you can do to boost your immune system. Supplement C at a little bit higher level during cold and flu season. I do that anyway. Q-certain, though. Q-certain has shown promise even in the treatment of COVID. I'm not saying it's a cure, and I'm not saying it's a treatment. I'm saying I'm going to put a bunch of resources, for those that haven't reviewed them yet, in the show notes today, and you can take a look at them. And they are... They are very interesting, and you have to draw your own conclusions. I am not a doctor, but if, if there was a single supplement that I could recommend for people to be using right now, in addition to normal, everyday multivitamins, it would be Q-certain. And I, I'm not going to say any more because I can get myself in trouble saying what I think. But I want you to read the real-world scientific data on this stuff and draw your own conclusions. And then the one thing about Q-certain is it is a plant derivative. It's something that you, it's in a lot of food you eat anyway. It's a nutrient. But like anything, you can take too much of it and put a load on your kidneys. So make sure you look up the maximum dose information and don't exceed it. This is not something like, well, if I take 100 billion gallons of this stuff, no, don't do that. You blow your kidneys up. So follow the, the manufacturer's recommended amounts. Possibly zinc, and I'll talk more about that when I talk about some treatments that are rolling out. But um, based on some things I've learned in the last day, you might want to supplement a little bit of zinc if you can. Next, this is again on your immune system and your health, because we can't gloss over the fact that some people get this and get a very mild case. Even some people in what are considered high-risk groups get this and get a very mild case. There's a reason. We don't know what it is. But we do know what that means is that your personal immune system is important here. So one of the things I want you to minimize right now is any bad habits, drinking, smoking, anything that hurts lung health, your cardio health, your liver health, whatever your vices are. Minimize that. I like to have a beer. I like to have a scotch on the rocks. I like to have a rum. I am drinking almost nothing right now. I'm going to have maybe a glass of wine a week and maybe one, one, one drink a week just for a sense of normalcy. But just one a day at most because your liver health is incredibly uh, a big part of the morbidity. People that have died from this, one of the things that, that makes you more likely to have a hard time getting through this if you get sick is your liver health, your cardio health, your blood pressure, all this. Minimize it. Um, vaping. I'm wondering, they're saying they're having some kids now. Uh, when I say kids, you know, 30 is a kid to me. But younger people having severe reactions to this in Europe and even in the United States, I'm wondering how many of them vape. I'm not saying they do. I don't know, but, man, I mean, if it can cause, 
If it can cause respiratory problems without COVID, it certainly can make them worse with COVID. That's all I'm saying. Dr. Berg, who is a really interesting online personality, who's also big into the ketogenic diet, which I follow. Now, I'm in and out on Dr. Berg. I am not a massive fan. I like him okay. Just kind of setting the stage here. But he says, and I didn't get to listen, but I'm just throwing this in here for you so you can check it out for yourself, and I'll put a link to his channel in the notes for the show today. But he says he feels a low-sugar intake is beneficial uh, in resistance to COVID or maybe handling it better. I don't even remember exactly what he said, but I, I do know that his point was a low-sugar intake is probably a good thing here. And if nothing else, it'll cut the fat. And when you're dealing with any kind of virus, obesity is also an additional risk factor. You cut sugar, you cut fat, you cut blood sugar swings, you cut type 2 diabetes, and you go a lot longer toward being able to resist this. All right? Get exercise. Inside, outside, I don't care. Get your heart rate up. Create endorphins. Dig those dumbbells out from under the bed. Just do some basic curls and overhead lifts and stuff like that. You don't have to become Arnold Schwarzenegger. But when we exercise, not only do we kick in our immune system, not only do we reduce our stress levels, we up our endorphins, and we feel better. And I'm saying to do this as much for mental as physical health. Take a walk in the backyard. I don't care if you have a little bit of yard. Walk around it till there's a path there that looks like the dog wore it in. Go outside, breathe fresh air, exercise. And this is not a terrible time to do intermittent fasting. Again, I've, I do follow a ketogenic diet. I, I've re definitely reduced my risk if I get COVID because of the actions I took starting in August last year. I've lost over 50 pounds by going to a ketogenic diet. Part of what I do on a ketogenic diet, though, is most days I do what's called intermittent fasting. Right now, it is 1.50 p.m. I have not eaten since dinner last night, and I am not hungry. It takes a while to adapt to it and adjust to it. It might give you keto flu. I'm not saying to go do this right away. I don't know. You've got to make your own decisions here. But I do know this. At a time where you're restricting and monitoring and being very careful about how quickly you use your supplies, a family that's eating or a person that's eating two meals a day has an easier time than a woman that's eating three plus two or three snacks. Right? Um, just saying. So it's not a terrible time to learn about ketogenics, intermittent fasting, etc. But you don't have to. I'm not saying the ketogenic will make you immune to COVID flu. All right. Um, now, I want to finish up with the importance of some therapy awareness. There's some politics going on here, and I don't like it, and it stinks. I'm going to try to say very little about it. But there are many treatments that are becoming available and will soon be available via something called compassionate use. Compassionate use means it doesn't matter whether the FDA is blessed it or not. If you're sick and you want to use it, you can use it. You and your doctor can make a decision that you can use this thing. And I'm going to only talk about one of those options today because I don't know that much about the other ones. And I'm hoping Monday to do a show where, even if it's only part of it, I cover those other options and exactly what they know. I'm going to talk about the one that I know the most about and the one that is being used as a political football the most right now. And there, I'm going to be honest to God, there are some reporters out there and some people out there that I would like to choke over what they're doing here because they know that what I'm about to tell you is the truth. The big news in this fight right now is a very old medication called Coloquine. And I watched the president. I'm not a huge fan of President Trump. 
I do think he's making some really good decisions, and the decisions on the medications and the therapies and fast-tracking them is one of the best decisions that he's made here. And I watched him being attacked for inferring that there was hope due to coloquine. I'm going to tell you why he's inferring that there's hope due to coloquine. He knows there's hope due to coloquine. Everybody knows who's actually researched this that this is going to work well for many people. The only question about coloquine, and I'm going to talk more about how it works here in a second, the only question is how well does it work, how many people can it work for, and exactly what way should we use it to get the best results for the most people. This has been used in Australia. It has been used in Japan. It has been used in France. And it's now beginning to be used in the United States. And there is not a single time that it's been used where it has not made things better. The sample size is small. Yes, it is. So what? And this, one of the things that's bugging me is this, we need a control group. We need to know what, what happens when you have standard of care without it. We have all the information we need on that. We have had thousands of people die. We have had thousands of people get this illness. We have had thousands of people recover without being given coloquine. We already know what happens. We already know what the numbers look like without it. All you have to do to know what the numbers look like with it is use it, and it's coming. There are multiple manufacturers now. Myelin, Bear, there's a couple other ones. They're making millions of doses. What they keep pushing back on is saying it's just a few limited trials. I put out, before the president started talking about it, before he said a word about it, information from a trusted source working for a major pharmaceutical manufacturer where I told people this was coming. I got scooped a little bit by Tucker Carlson. I kind of leaked about it, and I was doing more research to make sure I was absolutely correct before I did it, and then Tucker leaked it. Tucker scooped it, I guess, and, and, and brought some of the first information out of it on Fox News. And the next day I came out with all that I knew, which was more than anybody else had been told yet, and said, I have a contact at a major pharmaceutical company that said they are producing this in the millions of doses, that it's right now being manufactured at rates it's not been manufactured at in any type of recent history. And the reason they're not using it more is it's not available. You don't make... 30 million doses in a 30-day period, which one manufacturer is already committed to. 30 million doses delivered in 30 days for limited trials. They know this works. It's only a matter of how. However, I am learning more about it, and it seems like the way that it works, or at least works best, is used in combination with zinc. And it may need to be administered at least at a hospital or a field hospital or a doctor's office. The coloquine is given orally. I'm not sure if the zinc needs to be given through an IV or if that can be given orally as well. I don't know the answer to that yet. But I have a video that explains exactly why it works. We don't just know that it works. We know how this works. We know why this works. And I'll tell you a secret. We know this because coloquine has worked for other viruses in the past the same way. So we've had doctors use it for COVID. It's worked for COVID. We've had doctors use it for other viruses, including other coronaviruses in the past. We know the mechanism by which it works. What they're trying to be careful with right now is a couple things. One, they don't want every single person with a snotty nose running to the hospital screaming and hollering that they want coloquine because you don't use it that way. And they don't want false hope. 
But I'm going to tell you that it is your responsibility to be informed, to make sure that your friends and family are informed about this, and that if you end up where you need treatment for coronavirus, to say, I want this. And the only way that you agree to not having it is if your doctor says, because I'm not a doctor, the reason I don't want to give this to you is, insert legitimate medical reason here. Now let me tell you what I don't think a legitimate medical reason is. There's not enough research and data. Great, let me help you with that. That's what I would say on behalf of a loved one I was making decisions for or myself. Great, let me help you with that. You have all the data that you need on people that didn't get this treatment. I'm having issues. I want this treatment. They're making 30 million doses of it right now. Give it to me. I'm, I can't tell you what to do. I'm telling you what I would do. Because, again, I'm going to tell you my opinion. There's no question it works. The question is how, well, and what is the best way. And we know the basic way to, and that way has worked. The study that came from France had, a, had an experimental group, that means people that got the treatment, that over a six-day period, 75% over a six-day period, 100% resolved. Zero coronavirus in their body. 100, 75%, 100%, no virus. The, the experimental group, over six days, only 10%. Fully resolved. So 10% of those people were able to just fight it off on their own. Similar age groups, broad diversity of ages in the group. It was a small sample. It doesn't matter. Some of the early patients that went to, to, uh, to Australia, they did this in conjunction with some other therapy. The doctor said, from the day we gave it to them, the viral count dropped. Japan said the same thing. China, who I don't trust here because they lied about so much, but China says the same thing. They have the same, the data matches. So even if I don't trust you, if your data matches trusted sources, I start trusting your data. It is imperative. It is imperative that patients be aware that this is coming and that there is no excuse for not making it available as soon as possible and that It appears to me, based on everything I know, the president and his administration and team are doing everything they can to get that to happen as quickly as possible. And it may save millions of lives. Because we're not just talking about the immediate impact. We're talking about the long-term impact here globally. So I don't think that's a stretch. And there is a witch hunt in the press here. And I think they're going to look really bad in the end for it with this cure. And I called it a cure. And yes, I did. And I know a lot of people went, you can't call it a cure. Yes, I can. I didn't say it was a cure for everybody. If, if, it's, if it's 25% less good than the study indicates, if it has the ability to resolve symptoms in six days or less for 50% of people, the pressure that takes off of our medical system in this crisis is invaluable. And I think we know it's better than that. And I think in that study, I have not been able to fully confirm this yet, but the truth is that it was really a 100% success. It was kind of misreported with that because just because the six days ended, it didn't mean the course of treatment stopped. So the, the other 25% in that group, my understanding, I could be wrong, my understanding is they all resolved as well. That they all resolved as well. And again... We know how to use this. I have a video that explains exactly how it works for you to watch in the show notes. I invite you to do it. 
And I'm going to say, I don't know a lot about other therapies, but there's some that are from HIV drugs, there's some from Ebola drugs, and there's a, there's a, a therapy that they used for Ebola, which is a lot worse than this, where they take the blood from someone who's already recovered and they, they, they treat it somehow and distill it down, and then they give it to the person that's infected, and that works too. It doesn't work for everybody, but it, these other therapies, as good as Coloquine is, it may not work for some people, and some people can't take any medication. But when they start talking about the dangers of it, etc., I want to remind you guys of something with coloquine. First, it's hydroxycholoquine, which is not the same as straight coloquine and has less of the side effects. Number two, the majority of the side effects that occurred with the use of the medication coloquine is because it was anti-malarial. I took it for six months consecutively deployed to Honduras when I was a young man in the Army. And there are guys that, and, that go on much longer deployments into the tropics that took it for much longer. And any substance taken for that length of time. For COVID, we're talking, what, a six-day treatment for some? Maybe 12? Maybe 15 days? Versus, I took it for 180 days with 500-plus other, 500 other soldiers around me. And I didn't see anybody stab anybody in the face with a fork having some sort of you know psychotic side effects or something. There are people with certain medical conditions that can't take many drugs. And these other therapies will be there for them. I'm going to bring you more information on those other therapies Monday. Again, I'm not a doctor, but I see something really twisted going on here. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. My long-term people will tell you that. I'm the first one to push down on tinfoil hat, but I am a person that has a loathing for people that make emergencies into political footballs. And there seems to be a desperate need for this thing, which is going to save so many lives, to not work because some people hate the current president. And I am not, again, I am, to be under clear, I am not a big defender of the current president in, in a lot of ways. In this, it is not Donald Trump that figured out Coloquine can help a huge number of patients. It is doctors who did so, who are saying it does. And it, to, to give the man credit, he's like, and I heard him say this today, here's the thing. We know it's safe to give most people. We've been giving it to most people, you know, giving it to lots of people since the 1940s. We have nothing to lose by trying. That is the exact, the reason I have to agree with that, I could have been the most diehard anti-Trump person. I'm not that bad, but I could be. The reason I have to agree with those words, those are my words, from five days ago. The president did not plagiarize me. I am not saying that. I'm just saying I said those exact words five days ago. I said derivatives of those words as much as three and four weeks ago. We have known about this for a month. We have known about this for a month. The conclusive nature of the peer-reviewed study from France, even with a small sample size, is what gave the gas to fire this up to, again, 30 million doses from one supplier are coming in 30 days. And that is a different supplier than the one I have a, a trusted contact with who said they too are producing millions of doses. Now. Not going to. Now. So, it's coming. Trump said today there was one more little thing they have to approve to do it. But I'll tell you what's going to make it is people saying, I want this treatment. And I want to be clear about something. 
if you've tested positive and they've sent you home to self-quarantine and you have a sniffy nose or whatever and you don't have any severe symptoms, this may not be for you. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where that threshold is, especially the first group. The first group are going to be the people that need it the most. But I've heard from some people in the know that say they think that pretty much by the time this is over with, it's just going to be a course of treatment for almost everybody that has a positive result because it protects your lungs. And that's really important. So I wanted to finish with the therapy information, but I wanted to spend the majority of the time with you today on the things that you can do. And folks, I want you to think about the things that you can do. I want you to think about the things that you can do. And you can go to the survivalpodcast.com. You can look up this episode on my site. It's episode 2622. You can get all the links that show that everything I've said is indeed the case. And you can absolutely get my, my outline. Everything I've said to you today is in bullet points, so you can add to it, make notes. And even if you're not going to do all these things, pick out the things that you know will make the most impact for you in your home, for your family, and your life and take those actions. So with that, we've uh, we've wrapped up the show, guys. And I, this is where I do a song of the day every day. And, and I usually have some kind of well-known song or something. The song you're about to hear is well-known only to my audience. You already heard a little bit of it today. Uh, it was a very introduction. You heard it as I came on. Uh, I'm going to play the whole song for you. It's been a long time since I've done it, and it is a time to listen to the song. The song is called The Revolution Is You. And for those who listened to this today, hopefully you got a, a, a really great message of hope and what you can do, but the pragmatic look at, at how tough things really are. Again, I've been teaching this for 12 years. About two years into it, this, this show really took off, and I knew it was going to be my life's work. And a man reached out to me by the name of Greg Yose, who's still a member of our audience and community today, and said, I want to write a song for your show so you have a proper intro exit song. And, we kind of worked on it together, and we came up with this song called The Revolution Is You. And it's about taking your your responsibility yourself for your own situation. And like I said several times today as we were going through this material, a lot of the stuff in this, America should have been doing all the time. It's it, 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 These are things that we should be teaching in, in, in middle school and high school, if not grade school as well. The fact that we take kids put them through 13 years of school and then four years of college for most of them. And we don't teach people how to manage a household, how to have a reserve of supplies. And I'd like you to think about a term you're hearing a lot right now, strategic reserve, strategic reserve. We're going to be doing an episode next week on strategic reserves. And what strategic reserves really should be are mostly what we talked about today. The problem that we have in America, we've, we've let a central government centralize our solutions. And so when there's a problem, then we have to distribute those solutions from a central location. The strategic food reserves of this country should be in every household in America, minimum 30 days. The strategic financial reserves, there should be multiple levels of that, but one level of them should be minimum 30 days of being able to pay your bills without any income in your home or in your home budget. The strategic reserves for basic medical supplies that you need in your household should be in your home. Strategic reserves. Think about that. Even though that word's not in this song as you listen to the song because there's a better way to live. 
America, there's a better way to live. And I think it might feel a little crazy right now to have this guy you just met telling you you can live a better life in the middle of what seems like Apocalypse 2020. Some good's going to come from this. It's up to you how you deal with this. That which doesn't kill us, they say, makes us stronger. And we know for most of us this isn't going to kill us. But the truth is, That which kills us only makes us stronger if we choose to do something with it. I'm asking you to choose to do something with this time to make your life better because you can. With that, it's been Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. They gonna bail you out or just run you around. They said you should have a house the American way. A dollar down, a dollar a month, and you never have to pay. There's a better way to do this. Let me show you a better way.